Welcome to Learned Lag, the podcast about yesterday's Learned League questions and answers. I'm Amanda. And I'm George. Amanda and I are both in Zephyr A. This is season 29 for me and season 25 for Amanda. And this is day 21 of season 97. Our first question asks essentially what uh, territory at the northwest corner of the Aegean Sea did Philip II uh, transform in the 4th century BCE? Uh, I believe Philip II was Alexander the Great's father or mm-hmm. forebear of some kind. Uh, and Alexander the Great was famously Macedonian. So uh-huh. I said Macedonia. Yes, uh, I had the same thought, and I additionally remembered that Philip had been known as Philip of Macedon. Um, and I wasn't sure if that was what would be appropriate to, like, if that would be the appropriate term to use today. Um, I guess, I don't know, I, I put down Macedonia thinking that's sort of like the region or the the area that we're looking at for certain. Um, and so, yeah, I, I put down Macedonia as well, just thinking that was the appropriate term as we would refer to it. And the correct answer was Macedon, mm. which I kind of thought while I was putting in the answer, hmm, was it, was it, wasn't it known as Macedon back in the day? Mm-hmm. Uh, but I figured that Macedonia was kind of the more common term, mm-hmm. uh, and that, uh, you know, maybe I was just kind of doing that sort of false thing where uh, I think a word sounds more familiar than... I I, I, I sort of think that a word is more formal sounding and therefore it's better. Mm -hmm, Like, mm -hmm. you know, you hear Macedonian, you think, oh, well, it could just be Macedon-ian. So I wasn't 100% certain that that was actually a term for it or whether it was just kind of a false uh, memory of such. But I think probably we'll get credit for it. Yeah, based on what you told me about how the um, the website judges mm-hmm. an answer, you know, Macedon is the first you know, seven letters mm-hmm. of Macedonia. Um, and also, having sort of double-checked my thought about this, um, if you try to search for Macedon on Wikipedia, it immediately redire- redirects you to Macedonia. Okay. There isn't like a... They're, they're interchangeable terms, as far yeah. as I can tell. Um, and so, you know, especially given that the IA suffix just kind of tends to mean, like, the territory of mm-hmm. this. Um, I think it, all things considered, we, Macedonia will also be marked as correct. Mm-hmm. We can up. Mm-hmm. Question two asks us about a German composer and conductor who wrote operas about Salome, Electra, and Ariadne, and also did a bunch of symphonic poems. Yeah, um, in the early 20th century, and so we're given a good amount of detail kind of sketching this person out. Um, uh, I don't know a huge amount, though, about German composers of uh, classical music-type things, and so having dismissed the idea that it was Wagner because, you know, Wagner's operatic works are very well known, and I don't think I've ever heard of these among them. Um, I, I then th- and I don't I don't think of him as writing symphonic poems either. Uh, then the next mind to come to mind to mind was Strauss, 
I thought, yeah, I think he's kind of in that, um, you know, slightly um, latter day romantic kind of um, less bound by classical traditions kind of composer. Because I considered like Haydn and Handel and, um, you know, a couple others that I think I was probably even getting the nationality wrong. So that was, you know, I, I didn't put much stock in those, but I was pretty sure Strauss was German. Um, I thought this sounded like his, a description of his oeuvre of the bare sketchy details that I know of it. Um, and so once I kind of thought to myself, yeah, Handel and Haydn would have been earlier in the 19th century. Um, and so I, I felt reasonably good about putting down Strauss. Uh, same for me, pretty much. You know, I initially yeah. thought Wagner and thought, no, nah, that doesn't sound right. And I tried to think, like, just sort of, like, was Morning Becomes Electra the opera? Um, uh, I, I perhaps. Felt like, and, and that just kind of triggered, was that Strauss, maybe? And I thought tone poems. And I know, okay, Strauss was also very famous for also spark Zarathustra. was that a tone poem i feel like maybe it was because it wasn't like a full-on opera uh, and but it was uh, uh it, it was a a piece that was you know more than just the music so i didn't know whether that was technically a tone poem but kind of for lack of any other early 20th century german <laughs> composer uh, who did notable things, I figured, sure, it's probably Strauss. Or it's somebody I've not heard of. <laughs> but happily, it was Strauss. Oh, good. Um, I think you're right about also Sprach Zarathustra. Um, I tend to forget that that's him because I associate it so much with Nietzsche. Um, yeah. But um, I think the opera is just called Electra. Okay. Morning Becomes Electra, I think, is a play. Okay. I think. I just that that kind of tweaked me when you mm. uh, mentioned it. But all we really care about is that the correct answer to this question is Strauss. Yep. So don't don't take our word for anything else. Is pretty <laughs> much the message of this podcast. Question three asks us about uh, a, a language that was used by a Christian sect in Egypt and is now used today as a liturgical language uh if you're asking me about a christian sect in egypt and you're not using the word coptic mm -hmm. then you are looking for the word coptic yes that's one of the things i picked up when i was there yeah that the that there's this christian sect that is very separated from kind of the rest of christianity Mm. Uh, and so I did not know that they had a separate liturgical language uh, that derived from Egyptian, but mm. okay, sure. That the, the, that tracks with everything else I know about the Coptic uh, religion. So mm -hmm. I said Coptic. Yeah, this is something that I learned while I was not in Egypt because um, <laughs> uh, I have never been in Egypt. So, I, I I mean, and more like you said, it's not so much that I learned it as that I picked up on the pattern that, that Thorsten is trying to put down here, mm -hmm. um, which is that if you have uh, an unusual sort of sect of Christians in Egypt, then it's probably Coptic Christians. And I just went ahead and assumed that that was the, 
that the language would have that same name. I think sometimes the people themselves are referred to as cops. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I figured that then their language would also have to be Coptic. Uh, and it's interesting to know that there's a, a different name for them than Copts. Mm. Um, and uh, Monophysite uh, Christians, I've never heard of that term before. Uh, and also did not realize that, they're, that they had a separate language that evolved from Egyptian. Um, so this is a very informative question of which I used very little of the details to actually come up with my answer. <laughs> yeah. um, so I also put down Coptic. And that was correct. Question four asks us for a, essentially a breed of horse mm. uh, that was named for an area in Scotland and is a very large and powerful horse. Yeah, this is another one with a great deal of detail that I didn't need. Um, <laughs> you could just give me the great big horse. Big Scottish horse. Clue. Not even Scottish, just a okay. great big horse, and okay. I would think of Clydesdales. Um, it took me a little while. I had to kind of, I don't know, picture a Budweiser ad to sort of like get them, to get the image of them in my head, and then I could kind of pull out, okay, you know, that's the, the, the horses that I'm clearly being directed to think of are Clydesdales, um, and kind of did the triangulation of is there a River Clyde in Scotland? Yeah, I think there is. Mm -hmm. uh, I know that Clyde is a Scottish kind of derived uh, name generally. Um, and so, you know, if the Clyde is the river, Clyde's Dale, the Dale is the valley. So that's like the Clyde River Valley horses, I guess. Um, and so, uh, um, yeah, I, I figured this couldn't be anything but Clyde's Dale because if it was, good Lord, no one's going to know what in the world is being talked about um there are other large draft horses um that you know i've probably heard the names of but uh clydesdale certainly fit all the um check boxes here and i just wouldn't expect learned league to ask us to recall a horse of this size and have it be something more obscure so i put down clydesdale yeah, my first thought was Shetland. Yeah. Uh, and then I thought, no, Shetlands are small. Yes. Shetlands are ponies. Uh, so this is, and I don't think they were named ironically, like, <laughs> you know, the big guy in the in the group is called Tiny. Right. Um, so, okay, Shetland ponies are probably just ponies. So I got to think of another large, powerful horse breed um, that sounds Scottish. And I thought, oh, the, the Budweiser horses are big and they are Clydesdales. Is Clydesdale Scottish? Well, Clyde, you know, an, an area named for a river, Clyde Dale. Okay, the Dale of the Clyde. Is there a river Clyde? I feel like there is. There's other Clydes in Scotland. Mm. Like Strathclyde, I think, is a thing. I don't know what it means, but I feel okay. like it's a thing. Um, so, yeah, Clydesdale, powerful horses. That sounds right. Yeah, okay. Uh, Flemish and Scottish, 18th century, no idea. Um, but that's recent enough that kind of having them, uh, be particularly like associated with brands kind of makes sense. Like they were still new enough that like Budweiser could take them and make them their own. True. I'm, true. I'm sure they don't own them, but 
but like they they could be very identified with that because they were still sort of specialized and not so uh you know commonplace as the quarter horse sure so that just kind of you know a, a bunch of you know things that i made up to justify why <laughs> the the one thing i could think of uh, and not dismiss must be it so sure we'll go with clydesdale and that was the correct answer Sometimes it's always just about resolving your own psychological oh, yeah. worries. Yeah. <laughs> um, question five asks us delightfully to fill in the blank after after the lyrics. Why do we always come here? I guess we'll never know. It's like a kind of torture to have to watch the show. And I had to think. <laughs> wait, was it to have to watch this show? Yes. No, just because <laughs> and. The main reason is that would be harder to sing. Yes. To have to watch this show sounds the same as the show. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you wouldn't want to bother doing that. You can't just like pause before the last word to make sure people understand you're saying this show. So yeah, it must be the show. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll go with that. Right. And for those of you who are wondering about all the context that we've skipped right <laughs> by... Uh, this is the Muppet Show theme song, yes. if you didn't know. Um, and I and... know of a couple of people who didn't. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. I, I This is another, like, yet another uh, solidly Gen X pop culture moment mm-hmm. for Thorsten to feature and people of other generations to complain about not knowing because <laughs> it's it's kind of a very specific time and place song. Yep. Um, I think they have put the Muppet shows back into like a streaming service, though. Too. Yes, they're on Disney. So yeah, so it's possible to go and catch up on these things, which you should because mm-hmm. they're delightful. Yes, they're full of pop culture references of all kinds that will serve you in trivia if you needed more incentive than it's the Muppets and it's it's wonderful. Um, but you know, this is even top of mind because we've been watching the Doctor Teeth and the Electric Mayhem. Uh, streaming show that is yep. new um, and they of course were the house band uh, at mm-hmm. the Muppet show um, and so you know this is this I've probably thought about this line from the theme song consciously since we've been watching it because I, this is uh, sung by Statler and Waldorf the two hecklers yes. in the balcony um, who are, always have a, a, a witty a zinger to insult the show and um, and so I went through the same thought process you did with kind of like from a songwriting standpoint, I wanted to make sure I got it right as far as the or this. And, um, you know, I could really hear it in my head as the, and I just tried to, to make sure that if I tried to put this in there, would it sound, would it really fit? Would it sound right? Would it be hard to sing. And from like a songwriting kind of perspective it it definitely didn't work as well as the um and so after kind of doing that double check just to make sure my childhood memory where you know a lot of songs i know from that era and from all eras really because i don't always go back and check my understanding of lyrics of things um you know they those can be (laughs) misperceived and they get Mm -hmm. stuck in your head that way and yeah. Um, you know, it's it's very possible to have mixed something up like that. Um but uh you know, once I had that settled, I was just delighted to put down 
the six-word phrase, to have to watch the show. And that was correct. Yeah, it certainly was. <laughs> and it, it occurred to me as I was answering this and also thinking of the Electric Mayhem series that we were watching, which is delightful, yes. that they, I don't think they've ever played this on the show, even as like kind of an example of something they play, because they don't sing in it. True, it's true. pretty much all Kermit, yeah. some Statler Waldorf, some other other uh, members, but I don't think anyone of Dr. Teeth and the Electric Mayhem has a single line. Well, that's true, and not only that, it's not really a rock and roll song. Yeah. It's kind of like a ragtime or oh, Tin yeah. Pan Alley kind of sounding song. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's definitely not the vibe they're going for um, within the narrative of the new show. It's that they've you know, been kind of a classic rock, uh, hard rock band for 50 years. Um, and, you know, including being, uh, the house band on the Muppets. Um, I can't remember if there might've been a snippet of this in the, somewhere in the show, but it was definitely has not been emphasized. Um, and so, uh, a lot of what the show is doing for me is solidifying for me, the names of all those band members. I remember Janice <laughs> and Animal. Yeah. And the other ones. Yeah. Know, I, I, other than Dr. Teeth, because mm-hmm. the show's named after him. Yep. He's got the gold tooth. Yep. Um, you know, I would have been hard pressed to think of Floyd or Lips or, I, I you know. I didn't stuff. know Lips at all. I knew Zoot and Floyd. Zoot. But yeah. I wasn't certain which was which. Right. Right. They, they, yeah, they mixed. Got them. that nailed down more yeah. now. Yep. So, moving on. Question six asks us for the name of a Chinese city that was the country's capital during various periods of history and was also the center of the Taiping Rebellion of the 19th century. I just didn't know this one. I put down Shanghai because I thought that sounds like Southeast China. Um, But I really just don't know enough about the history of this period, especially this period in Asia or China. So... I just picked a, a city that I know of to, to put down as a guess. Yeah, same here. Um, I believe that uh, Shanghai is in southeast China. Mm. Uh, I thought it was on the Yangtze or at least was a major port. Yeah, uh, I think probably more that. Yeah, so that's pretty much the, 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 the two things that I could sort of hang this on. Um, and figured, well, it's a very large city nowadays, and so it may well have been the capital at some point. Mm-hmm. I don't know anything about the Taiping Rebellion. Right. Um, but, yeah, so for lack of any better uh, possibility, I said Shanghai. The answer was Nanjing or Nanking. Yep. Um, and I, I have heard of, uh, pardon the expression, I, I don't like when people use this sort of term but the rape of nanking mm-hmm. um which does that relate to this i'm guessing no that was uh, a period around world war ii um, when uh japanese forces uh did their best to level mm-hmm. and pacify the city i see uh, as part of manchuria okay um so that i you know in a way that makes me feel a little better about missing the question because that's the only like 
factoid I have in my head about Nanking in particular. Mm -hmm. So um, I was never going to get this one. That's how that works out. Um, But I did end up with five out of six on the day, which which is okay. Um, But I'm up against the number one player in our Rumble. (laughs) Rumble. Rundle Mm -hmm. right now. Um, And so I will need a good bit of luck to to pull anything other than a loss out of this day. Uh, ditto minus the uh, particularly uh, good player that you're playing. I'm playing mm-hmm. somebody who I believe is top half of our rundle. But okay. Yeah, just I'm... As I say, mm-hmm. I've, I, I'm, I'm playing Thurston at this point. Yep. <laughs> so today was not a bad day. Five out of six. Yeah, that's... I mean, that's always a reputable uh record for a match day because yep. um, we can't all be expected to know everything all the time <laughs> one of the lessons of learned league and the corollary being you can't base your self-image on <laughs> your learned league score no um nor well, should people, you I a few say. people can we can't uh, yeah well but i mean they can, but also they shouldn't, because that's you know that's not the most important thing about being a human being. Yep. So, you got to keep it in perspective. Uh, and with that pithy statement, that's it for today. Tune in tomorrow for more post game analysis, and remember, don't forfeit. Don't cheat.